Welcome to Blockbusted, the movie review podcast where two wise old trees ask, what creates more existential dread, nuclear war or being a woman? I'm Mitch. I'm Max. And today we are looking at Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, listeners, we we don't have good tech, and wait, it's wait, been... You might even say that we have bad tech. Oh, another statement and a half. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so beyond that, how's your day been today, Max? Um, today? Today's been all right. Um, yeah? I got my tax return. Oh, um, how much? If you don't uh, mind me asking, I'm not, and you I'm, don't mind sharing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say on the. I'm not gonna say on the podcast. No, nah, just dox yourself. I'm not gonna dox myself on the podcast. But, like uh, it was financially, like, it was, talk yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell all of you listeners how much money I got back from the tax office. Mm. Um, but that was that's fun. It means I can buy things like we love um, buying things, better tech, tickets to films that we then watch and then talk to you guys about. Yeah, that too. That that this is it is good for this also. Bizarre. Well, uh, I was meant to go to uni but i didn't because i woke up feeling kind of crappy uh finally relatable just didn't have it in me today so i didn't go in i i really wish i could do that but um working full-time sucks no uni no uni unfortunate so today we have decided, instead of last week talking talking about a film that came out twenty years ago, and then also a film that came out six months ago, we're going to talk about two films that came out within the last week: Bobby and Oppenheimer. That's that's the theme. Same day release. Same day release. Yep. Um, are we also going to talk about Pikmin Four? Well, did you? Well, so. I, I was just going to introduce the. I was going to introduce the theme, but we can we can no, segue was, straight into. I, I was I was going to say because it got released on the same day. Did it really? Yeah. Ah, oh. have you played any of it? I haven't played any of it. Well, neither got, have I. I've got um Pikmin three sitting on my shelf, um, mm-hmm. which I was going to play until they said, "Oh, by the way, we're re-releasing Pikmin one and two to the eShop. Um, and then I went, well, I'll have to play those first. And I have since not bought either of those and instead replayed Metroid Fusion. Um, All highly relatable yeah. things to do. Well, I guess we've got a new little segment that we've decided to put in to the start of our episodes just to kind of mix up the what, what we'll talk about. And we're going to call it Max and Mitch's Mini, mini Media. <laughs> Let me see if I can get that right again. Max and Mitch's Mini Media. Max and Where Mitch's you... Mini Media. Yeah, say it five times fast. Don't yeah. do that. That's bad podcasting. So this is just going to be like a little segment where we kind of talk about other things, uh, pieces of media we've been uh, looking at over the course of the week. It doesn't have to be films. I'm going to be talking about films because that's pretty much all I ever consumed. But Max can talk about other things I if he wants. I a variety of media. Yeah, I'm pretty low-key. Oh, I've been reading, actually. I read a book. Well, I'm halfway through a book. What, what book are you reading? Uh, I've been reading The Secret History by Donna Tartt. She, for those who don't know, she also wrote The Gold, The Gold, The Gold Snitch. The Gold, The Gold, The One, The Movie Had, uh, Who's the, Who's Baby Driver? Um, uh. 
Now you're going to try and make me wrong. Ansel, Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort, yeah. It's it's the, the gold snitch or something. Ansel Elgort. Goldfinch. The goldfinch. Yeah, the, gold snitch. the snitch is from um, Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, I think snitches are kind of based off of finches or something. Or it's based off some bird, I'm pretty sure. The golden snitch, according to J.K. Rowling. Right. But, yeah, no, I, I've, I've been reading that. It's a really good book. I'm not going to go too much into depth about it, but I highly recommend it if you like well-written but very long novels about academia and dickheads who don't understand how to do do it. So academia? Uh, it's Yeah, pretty much. It's a lot about academia and allowing your charismatic professors kind of ruining your thought processes and stuff like that. It's it's pretty pretty interesting. And murder. There's also a murder. That's uh, right yeah. at the start of the book, by the way. Right. It's not a spoiler. Uh, I watched They Cloned Tyrone, though, which is a new Netflix film. Yeah. Uh, very good. Highly recommend. It's a mixture of black exploitation and science fiction. Yeah, cool. Uh, so just very good, very interesting mix. I'm not going to go much further into that because it's very fun to just kind of watch. And I, for Do, you... Who's the, who's the director on it? It's a really good question. They've done basically nothing. I think this is their first proper feature-length film. Give me two seconds while I pull them up. It is Jewel Taylor. Yes, so this is indeed their first film. They wrote Creed, well, they were a writer on Creed 2. Oh, yeah. And Space Jam A New Legacy. Excellent. Which is not a, look, Creed 2 is good. Space Jam, not such a glowing uh, recommendation, but they're a good director, though, as far as I can tell from their singular film. I'm excited to see what else they do. Yeah, cool. And I also watched The Night of the Hunter for uni, which is a 1955 classic. It is considered one of the best uh, pieces of suspense and cinematography you can ever watch. I got kind of bored. And didn't fully enjoy it. Look, it's it's fine. I'd give it a three out of whatever rating system you want. And three out of three. Sure, it's a hundred percent. Let's give it. Let's give it a hundred percent. But no, in all seriousness, it's just I think it's old. But it does have a murderous preacher, which is fun. That's always fun. I mean, serial killer, wait, not preacher. fun, but like fun. Just too close to home. If anything else. How? I don't know. Preachers are psychotic in general. I wouldn't trust one. Would you trust one? Uh, probably not. Yeah. How about you? So what have you been in- ingesting? Um, I, so this is going to be real lame. Do you remember that like little phone, the old phone game Rider, which like you had a little car and you did flips on like tracks and you had to not land upside down. Ye- um, and they're like, say Hill Rider. Not Hill Rider, just Rider. No, um, I, know the, I know the Hill one. Uh, well, I found out that they recently released a version called Rider World. So it's sort of like a little bit more, like a little bit more progression and stuff. And the and the um, level design isn't as garbage. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of that in my spare time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, that's not very interesting there. Um, I've been chipping away at, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, no, Zero Dawn, um, Horizon Forbidden West. 
mm-hmm. um, which I've been doing for a while now. It's a really big game. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I'm playing on the PS4 and it's definitely a game that's designed for the PS5. And mm. you can tell uh, there's lots of late loading issues and pop-in issues and things like that. Um, and I'm not convinced I enjoyed it as much as the first game, but um, we'll see how we go. Um, it looked big game, so yeah, obviously rough to try and complete as well. Um, yeah. Beyond that, um, I haven't got around to watching it yet, but very excited to check out um, the new reboot season of Futurama. Um, oh, yeah. That has just dropped. Um, I really enjoyed the original, like many people. Um, and just what what, what a hot what, take. What <laughs> I feel like many people enjoyed the original Futurama. Uh, I that's dude insane take. Insane take. Yeah. Um, I think you're really like just. <sighs> yeah. The one thing I'm concerned about is like the ending of the last episode of the last time they rebooted the series was really good. So. <laughs> I don't know how they can work around that, but um, yeah, yeah. No spoilers. I haven't actually finished uh, Futurama yet. Oh my god, dude! It's like what ten years old. The the reboot is like ten years old now. No spoilers allowed. Speaking of spoilers, spoiler alert for both movies we're going to be watching, uh, and we will be jumping into Barbie first. Oh, interesting choice. I, yeah, I thought maybe we, so full disclosure, Max and I pulled Barbenheimer. We did, we did the classic Barbenheimer. Classic? The classic. classic. The, it's um, like the trending meme. The meme. The meme. We did the meme. But we did we lived the meme. the meme. The first time I think I can say I've ever lived a meme. Um, I, my whole life is a meme, so. That's something I don't think I want to touch. We'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about it after the show. That that sounds like something a bit more deeper and personal. Well, because you didn't wish to disclose what you're getting back from the ATR. I, I, I think feel, this is I even worse. Like, no, I don't know because I I just think that you know I my life is a bit like Barbenheim. Contrasting, um, or just completely existential. Like yes. That word's going to be thrown around a lot, by the way. Existential. I think both deal with I, reality and the the way that certain things can kick you out of it and force you to look down upon. Mm. It's all like a, 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 a what's it called? Uh, an out of body experience. Yeah. I think I think both of these films kind of deal with di- different things that do it, and maybe for different groups of people as well. But both definitely make you think about just. The, the reality that we live in and existential really is something is a word that I would use to describe both for different okay. reasons. But yes, starting with Barbie, uh, directed by Greta Gerwig. Who, uh, I believe this is her third feature film, Lady Bird and Little Women being the first two. Uh, Barbie stars Margot Robbie as an iteration of the titular doll. Ryan Gosling as a variation of that doll, Ken. And a lot of other actors who also play different versions of Barbie and Ken. And then some other miscellaneous characters who we all say that it's too many people in both of these movies to list 
the cars. Uh, I, I reckon there's going to be a lot of like name dropping in the in this episode because yeah, both of these movies had really like packed casts, um, yeah. and um, for the most part, did a really good job using them. I think there are like bits and pieces in both of them where there were cast yeah. members that were underutilized, but like you run the issue when you've got so many people who have so much talent in those pools that uh, you are going to run into the issue where like even in a two hour, three hour movie, you're going to end up having to (laughs) neglect some people to the sidelines, if you will. Yeah. What was the movie about, Max? What was the movie about? Um, What what, what happened? What? what, Okay. I'll give uh, my, my brief on the spot summary of Barbie. So do it um, in 50 words or less in 50 words or less. So Margot Robbie, who plays stereotypical Barbie, um, lives in Barbie land, uh, and one day she discovers that she is becoming weird. Um, and by weird, we would probably describe as human. Um, Horrifying. Uh, she goes on an adventure to the real world to discover the source of her weirdness and uh, co- uh, not conflict, but um, antics ensue, say. Um, and then everyone lives happily ever after. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a bit of a jump, but all right. <laughs> uh, what did you think? Did you like it? I, I really quite liked it. I mm. it, It's definitely very uh, different to Greta Gerwig's other work. Um, I haven't seen I haven't seen Frances Ha, so I'll, I'll just um, put that at full disclosure. That was the one that she starred in before she oh. made her directorial debut. Right. Um, but I have seen both... Lady Bird and Little Women, and all three of these films very much have a very strong um, feminist. I don't want to say agenda because that feels like a loaded word, but um, message. The, me, yeah, message is probably a better word to use there. But um, yeah, especially in Lady Bird, but also in Little Women, the the way that it's approached is much more nuanced. Um, and subtle, um, which are a huge credit to both of those movies. And mm-hmm. um, Barbie, and I think this is largely just because um, this isn't a little indie film anymore. This isn't uh, working on original IP. This is an existing brand that's uh, managed by a really big, com- really big company, and has to appeal to a wider wider audience, um, and in particular a younger audience than Greta Gerwig's uh, work typically has been. And so the message is much more uh, direct. Um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely contrasts to um, the way that she she portrayed um, the, I, I guess, women in society, which is the uh, the running theme through all of her films is like how do uh how women portrayed in society especially in media how uh um what is the female experience um and how is that affected by um patriarchal society that we live in um and i definitely think barbie was a uh good like reasonably simple deconstruction of that um while being a really fun funny um and dynamic film hmm. well i think going with that the greatest critique that i've seen of 
Barbie is that it's not an actually in-depth uh, exp- not explanation, but uh, exploration is what I was looking for. It's not, a, it's not an in-depth exploration of these feminist ideas and these the, the, the issues that women face in Western society. I'm going to say specifically since it's very much a Western view that we take a look at. I don't want to like I don't want to create assumptions on other things because I don't know enough about other I mean areas <laughs> for the for the most part the like the audience for this film um, a Western audience is a Western audience and yeah. a like uh, audience that exists in a patriarchal society and, oh no that's definitely um, the case I'm not I'm not sure I'm not gonna say that I disagree with that uh it's just I uh, yeah look um yeah, but what I've yeah what I've heard is what I've seen a lot of people they get really a lot of people have gotten really grumpy that it hasn't gone in depth enough. Obviously, there's the dudes who are grumpy think that the movie is man hating, which I disagree with completely. I do not believe it's man hating. I, I don't know if you saw um, online. There's people who are taking the one star reviews on Letterbox and making fake posters using the taglines, and it's very very funny. I actually um, haven't seen that. I should take a look. Yeah, so the, one of the critiques being it doesn't go in-depth enough, and the other critique is that it's not man-hating enough. Some I've seen some fem- female viewers say. Uh, I haven't. I actually haven't heard that one. I've, I've definitely heard the... Um, it's been all TikTok. I'll, I'll say that. It hasn't been real critiques. It's been the populace's critique. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it definitely, like... It does to an extent ride a line about, um, like, how does it want to portray uh, women? How does it want to portray men? How much criticism can we make? Um, how much criticism can we make of a uh, um, product that um, is still a very successful product and represents mm-hmm. um, Mattel specifically um, as their largest leading brand? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Especially, there's this one scene where, um, and I'm totally going to forget the character's name. Um, there's a there's a scene uh, in the film, reasonably early on, probably start of the second act, where um, Barbie goes into the school um, and talks to uh, Sasha, who's uh, played by Ariana Greenblatt, trying to convince her to try and uh, see what's wrong so she can fix her. Um, so at this point in time, she Barbie believes that uh, Sasha is her owner and so she thinks that the thoughts of the existential thoughts of death and cellulite are coming from her um because that's why she's been sent to the normal world uh, the the real world is to try and find her owner to figure out why she because it's it's like it's like a sympathetic reaction to the owner's thoughts and feelings that bobby is starting to go weird and kooky yeah um but yeah in that scene you get uh, Barbie approaches um, Sasha and Sasha just lists off all of these very valid critiques of Barbie about how um, it has been an unrealistic um, model for um, beauty expectations for women, how it has it is a, uh, a product of corporate America, um, of the materialistic society that has developed since um, – the end of the Second World War um, in the States especially, but um, 
everywhere that um, has had a cultural impact um, yeah. that the States has had a hand in, um, which is most places Western world now um, and most places in the rest, the, most places in the world. And just the world, really. Just in the yeah. world. Um, Anywhere they will have them. Uh, yeah, like she goes on to say, like, um, the Barbie is, like, uh, the conclusion to that is Barbie is fascist, which is, like, a funny, it's a funny take, and it's a, it, I, it's a good gag, um, but I, it's, yeah, where I've seen, um, some of the criti- criticism, uh, has been drawn is, like, where does this movie draw the line, and does it draw the line in the correct places, um, is it, like, pro-feminist enough, is it, as you said, sort of, like, anti-men enough, um, is, saying Barbie is fascist uh, joke or is it has it more truth to that truth to it than that um, maybe not in those exact like words but um, somewhere in that sort of hemisphere of thought yeah and look going off of Ladybird and Little Women Greta Gerwig I would never have described as man-hating in general. Uh, she definitely has male characters who show good qualities in both of... I, I can't all look... Actually, Lady, but I don't remember exactly. It's very... I don't think... There's only, like, Timothy Chalamet's character in Ladybug. Berg. Ladybug. <laughs> in that one, I'd say maybe the... It's 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 not there's there's not much of an argument I'm trying to say, but definitely in Little Women you have the dad who's shown to actually be like a pretty nice dad. Timothy Charlemagne's not just a dickhead; he's complicated. And yeah, sure, he kind of acts as a as a interesting point of conflict in the film, but it's not so much because he's a bad person. He's just you know himself. He's he's he is a person that just happens to you know what I mean? Yeah, I I definitely think that especially. Uh, Greta Gerwig's earlier work was much more like um, exploring like feminist ideas and exploring um, women in society without necessarily having to contrast that with um, all men are bad, which... Um, well, I just don't think she ever goes there, honestly, yeah. ever. Um, and then I guess like I, I wouldn't go as far to say that this movie does that, but it does... It is much more blatant about... Um, the society, like the world that we live in, is patriarchal. It's um, we live in a we live in a society. Um, we live in a society. Um, but yeah, we live in a society that is owned and operated by men, um, and the way that we exist in that world is is dictated by that by those principles. And the film uh, goes into uh, a lot of discussion about how women in our world don't fit as well yeah. as they should because it's a world designed for men. Um, yeah. Which, like, again, I don't think this is necessarily a bad take. Um, well, it's not. If anything, I agree with that. It's not a bad take. It's completely valid, but it. Um, the problem that I see it, I see it run, running into is... Um, because the film is so blatant about what it says, um, it makes it easier to misconstrue. Um, the patriarchy is bad as 
something like men are bad. Fuck men, yeah. Yeah, right? Which, because, I mean, I'd go so far as to say the movie is even slightly sympathetic to the way the patriarchy affects men as well, because it doesn't really show... It shows Ken in an antagonistic light. So what happens is Ken discovers the patriarchy in the real world because he goes with Barbie to the real world. And then he goes back to Barbie land and introduces it. And just like a virus, um, the Barbies don't have the antibodies to defend against the patriarchy. And so the Kens take over for like a smidgen of a bit. And so I don't think, but, and, and while that would make them technically the antagonists of the film, I don't believe the movie makes them evil enough they're kind of just trying to stupid not I mean, evil yeah it, ken's not an evil character he, he's no. not a villain um he's a he's a himber he's a beautiful he's a, beautiful, he's himber. A beautiful himber um yeah one of the other things that i've seen about this film and like part of what this film is doing is it's showing blatantly hey the patriarchy is also bad for men mm-hmm. uh, it benefits the few um and worsens the fate of many um yeah and uh like ken ends up a victim to this in the film he um thinks he's getting what he wants uh because he's almost tricked himself into believing that um his own success and his own beliefs are going to get him as far as he wants um when reality he uh is struggling with this idea in its own head that like Barbie's in love with him, which she's not. But I guess that sort of emotional pivot at the end of the film, when he like has to, he starts to understand that it's not his own actions that define whether or not Barbie's going to be in love with him or not. Um, and he needs to be able to like exist on his own and exist as an individual and not just as a someone who exists as like inside a machine or as a toy for someone i guess as as part of a duo yeah because that's like the whole thing is that ken and even this is this is reflected in how the ken doll is shown in real life he's an accessory to barbie he and this is something that i've seen the cast talk about so this is not me trying to pull something like it's ken is an accessory to it's it's barbie and ken you know and and this is trying to be this is trying to say that you as a man in the real world you can't you can't create your existence around the doer of your love life basically you have to be able to create your identity on your own and be able to live as yourself before going further than that like you won't be happy unless you can live you and 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 the patriarchy is or the the movie says that the patriarchy is a very big component in this idea that men believe they need to have a a female companion or uh, if you're any companion any romantic companion i should say typically a female companion this one says female because the patriarchy is based around heterosexual normativity yeah the the patriarchy is a heteronormative structure that yeah um yeah it's a a heteronormative structure that that's true um, i should is designed in such a way that um allow for theoretically um 
women to be manipulated by men in power more easily. Yeah. How did you, I know watching um, Greta Gerwig's other work, um, I've definitely felt sort of like sitting in the, uh, sitting and watching the film and knowing that the film's not intended for me mm. um, as a, as a man, the film's not aimed at me. The audience is not me as a, as a man um, yeah. to watch these films. Um, I definitely feel like Barbie sat differently to that. Um, mm. What 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 are your thoughts on that? I think I definitely agree. The movie was not made with our demographic in mind, which is fine. Uh, movies are made for different demographics. Where we the, our demographic gets the majority of the movies, so like it's okay to not get one every now and then, and we should probably get less. Uh, but I I still liked it. I think. Lady Bird is probably the one I think I reacted to the best when it comes to her filmography, probably because it taps into not just the feminine side, but also just the angsty teenager side mm-hmm. as well. And that I could really connect to, because that's just a universal thing. That's not a female thing or a male thing or any other gender yeah. thing. That's a universal being a teenager and hormonal and horny and angry and, and just unclear of how to live your life. Yeah, Little Women, I think, out of all three, is the one that suffered the most from me not being the target audience. Still loved it. Still think it was a great film. I understood what it was saying, but I that relatability just wasn't there. Yeah. And so I couldn't get into it. I think if I'd seen Barbie in a similar environment to the way I saw Little Women, which was to the left of a nearly empty cinema somewhere in the UK, because I think I was traveling around at the time i I saw it by by myself watched it with no one else basically around enjoyed it but in this one it was a packed cinema most of the people who were in who had their bums in those seats were the target audience which was uh, females of varying ages it was um and it was awesome uh because they they reacted so strongly to the humor that was centered at their experience and while I understood the humor was centered at their experience and I could get, cause I've, I've heard the complaints about what happens and I've, I've, I've seen it and I've heard it. Obviously can't relate to it cause it's not what happens to us as dudes, but being around those people who could laugh so loudly and laugh. So it, it was more enjoyable. Definitely. Yeah. It was probably the most enjoyable. I think I got more from the movie because I got to sit in that audience than I would if I'd sat at home or was seen in an empty cinema or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It was it's definitely a film that is amplified by a theater experience. Yeah. Um and I remember like trying to book these tickets. A lot of the cinemas really quite heavily packed. Um mm. which uh says a lot about the like anticipation of this film, but yeah. um I think as like people have continued to talk about this film and um, the fact that it is uh, has been critically received quite well and um, financially performed amazingly, but yeah, given all that, I think we're going to see it um, have a really long run um, in cinemas uh, worldwide, both like in the states and over here in Australia, and um, probably throughout Europe as well. Yeah, and, and it's definitely it's definitely more accessible film than um, some of Greta Gerwig's earlier um, work as well. Um, hmm. which which helps that. Can you think of anything else you want to bring up? Michael Cera. 
Oh yeah, Ellen definitely needs a mention. It was very correct. Uh, I loved. I I reckon there was a Scott Pilgrim versus the World reference when he goes absolutely crazy on those Kens. You reckon? Then what, I reckon that's a Scott Pilgrim versus the World reference, ever so slightly. <laughs> Because he just beats the shit out of them. You, you don't think it's just like, oh, it's Michael Cera and he beats the shit out of some guys? No, I reckon it's a Scott Pilgrim reference. I reckon Greta Gerwig is that based, that she yeah. put a Scott Pilgrim reference in her butt. Oh, hold on. Speaking of references, Justice League, um, Zack Snyder's Justice League shout out. <laughs> Which I don't even think worked as a joke. Like, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, I don't get it, but funny that it got mentioned. <laughs> um... I, yeah, it was. I don't remember exactly what the joke was. I I, I remember the punchline because the Bobby gets like so. She was in. It was when she's been one of the Bobbies has been indoctrinated into the patriarchy, and then she's taken out of the patriarchy. Yeah, and she goes. It felt like I was in a dream world, waiting for Zack Snyder's Justice League to be released, which doesn't make sense because Zack Snyder's Justice League was released, so it's not a dream world. I don't know. This movie's been in production hell for like. 10 or 15 years so maybe um would, that feels like I, a Greta Gerwig it's, it's, line it's very but. it's it's very um uh it's it's a film that like because of that sort of stuff um like that um the um push um which is the song that um all the Kens sing to serenade um the Barbies um they all sort of like make this movie something that's gonna date um, very quickly, I think. Like, yeah, especially given I, I know I keep going back to it, but Gregory's other films are um one of them's a period piece and one of them's um I think it's the early two thousands. Um Yeah, it was and, like dated when it was made in that type of sense. It, it's it's not um they're not movies that are intended to be um for a specific moment in time, whereas this movie very much is. It's yeah. um Barbie has to be watched now. Um, and I just, my biggest concern with this movie is that if we revisit it in a year or five years or 10 years or however long, um, it's just not going to hold up as well just because the jokes won't be as funny, not because the like evolution of humor, but really because there's a lot of these uh, references to um, pop culture and um, things that are just they're funny in the moment but won't mm. necessarily be funny outside of that well, just just to talk about the part where ken does the guitar um my friend we turned to each other when the song started because we thought it was going to be wonderwall yeah, i also thought it was going to be wonderwall i think it would have been less dateable if it was wonderwall because that's so funny and wonderwall is already an old song as it is right. so i think it should have been wonderwall I fully so, so, believe that. So the only reason I think it works as like, as a song that it is is because the lyrics are so like pointedly on the nose about the th- like on the themes of the movie. Oh, um, I mean, yeah, sure, but if you want to give that authentic experience of a dude because i mean i've had a dude play wonderwall at me even i've had that i've played wonderwall like a dude i think it was you yeah you played wonderwall at me (laughs) so (laughs) even even dudes have had dudes play wonderwall at them i think that would just look obviously ruby's not for me but i think it'd be funnier if it was wonderwall that's just that's that's my biggest critique it should have been wonderwall (laughs) 
Should have been Wonderwall. Should have been Wonderwall. But beyond that, I think the movie's hilarious. I think Will Ferrell is very funny. I think, oh, I guess that's another critique. And this is one that I know couldn't be fixed in the way the movie was made. Because, and I'll, I'll explain better once I get into my point. Basically, the heads of Mattel in this film needed to be more villainous, but they couldn't be because this movie is financed by Mattel. By Mattel. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, it tries to play on that, and it's like, oh, yeah, we had a woman CEO once, haha. It's Which is actually un- an insane joke. There were some jokes that got through that. I was like, that is insane that Mattel was like, go for it. No, I reckon, like, I think that's a totally plausible joke because they're poking fun at the fact that, yeah, this is the um, norm, and no one's going to deny that that's the norm, mm. um, and no one's going to deny that um, companies do this sort of, like um, – Washing, where they'll say like, "Oh yeah, we had one or two um, women in power, power and respectable positions." Um, but I, th- I feel like it's 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 normal enough, or the joke is normal enough that it's not going to actually make Mattel look like look particularly bad cons- compared yeah. to any other um, company. And I think it's sort of a. Uh, uh, sort of a self-deprecating joke at their expense, um, but I don't think it's uh, uh, anything that's they're worried about, like harming their brand image, um, particularly because I don't think it's anything more than um, a general audience would would expect of them anyway. Mm. Look, I mean, I guess maybe it's even a thing of maybe they reckon that if it's like a, a trade-off of if we make a certain amount of fun against ourselves we'll be able to humanize us and it'll be like look at us we're cool enough to make fun of us type yeah. thing so it's like they 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 kind of played that off a little bit i think the one last thing i want to say is that i feel sorry for as a butterfield because emma mckay the cutie gatwa and connor swindles managed to get into this film but their sex education, the guy, main guy in sex education did not manage to get in. And I think that's going to make making season five really awkward. Season four? I don't know. Which season are we up to now? I think it's season four even. But it might already be shot. It's being released soon. All right. Season four are up to. But I think that's really awkward that Asa Butterfield did not get in, but those three did. They're not going to be on the Barbie group chat. That's, that's just insane, right? Like, like, how did those three get in, but... As a Butterfield did, because no, I, I think, I mean, honestly, maybe he was the second Alan in case, like, they need, um, Michael Sarah couldn't do it. They could have got him in, because he would have been a good Alan, I reckon. But but obviously, Michael Sarah was the best Alan, I think. I don't think there's a better person to play that. But maybe they had him on, he was, like, the understudy for Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Sarah. you don't really have understudies in... I, that was a joke, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, point is, awkward, that. I just think that might have been awkward. That's going to be awkward on the set of sex education, I think. Um, any final remarks? Uh, just my rating. That's pretty much <laughs> it. Uh, so I'm going to rate it four missed opportunities to use an Aqua song out of five. Uh, I reckon we got a little bit of it in the. No, nah, they sampled it, but it wasn't <laughs> the real song. I don't care. I, I realized the song maybe wouldn't even put over a good message because it's made by a dude and it's, I mean, I feel like actually it's like trying to say something. I know it's been a while since I listened to it, but 
they even sampled it. They teased me with it. It was the perfect movie to use it. <laughs> they didn't. It's a missed opportunity, I reckon. All right. I'm, I'm just going to say, I, I'm going to disclaimer this with, I know we haven't talked about, like, there's a whole bunch of this movie that we haven't talked about. We didn't <laughs> talk about the, um, the Ken dance-off um, solo by um, Ryan Gosling, which is excellent. I mean, what's um, to say, though? I mean, people who watch that, they know what, like... That's not to discuss. That's just fun. No, I, I just like yeah. There's there's a lot of really like um, excellent stuff in this movie. It's very funny and um, it's got like it's a the set um, production like the the set design's fantastic and the oh, yes. production value is great. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna rate it four out of five. Mojo Dojo Casa Houses. That is so many Mojo Dojo Casa houses. I think they had that many at the end of the like Boulevard. So, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it was it. I thought it was three. Oh, maybe it was three. I think so it's added, a not. You've added non, one. I think it's a non-unreasonable amount of Mojo Dojo Casa houses. But five would be too many. Five may be too many. Yeah, I get you. So up next we have the Inheimer part of Barbenheimer, uh, Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer is directed by Christopher Nolan, stars Killian or Cillian Murphy as um, Oppenheimer uh, and Robert Downey Jr. as a grumpy guy. Uh, and the rest of the cast is just like Barbie too expensive, extensive to really list because fuck, this is the, I turned around to you at the end of this and I said, this is the Super Smash Bros ultimate of white dudes in film because uh, everyone, everyone is here everyone is here <laughs> everyone is here you got but, matt damon you've got dave oh, who's the guy who's the guy in um oh, 10 things i hate about you hold on and it's not him he's dead no it is not him it's the guy who hangs out with joseph gordon levitt um, David Cromwald. Actually, side note, Christopher Nolan's managed to work with three uh, 10 Things I Had About You alumni. He worked with Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. He worked with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Dark Knight Rises. And he's worked with David Cromwald in Oppenheimer. So, come on, let's get Julia Stiles. Oh, I'm trying to remember who else is in that movie. That's like the, most of the cast of that movie. That's three out of five main people, I'd yeah. say. And that's also excluding the main bully who's in like an episode of House or whatever he's in. Point is, so many people. Matt Damon, uh, Casey Affleck, not Ben Affleck though, which is kind of insane. He's too busy being Batman. He's too busy editing Air, the shoe film. The shoe film. The other movie that had the rest of the white actors in um, Hollywood. And, um, Florence Pugh, you yeah. had um, Emily, Blunt. Uh, Emily Blunt. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, there's one other I'm forgetting. This is a guy, and he's um, Robert Downey Jr.'s like, aide. Oh, Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. The guy who... Yeah, Han Solo. Han Solo. Is it? Young Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. The point is, is there's a lot of there's a lot of people in this movie. There's a lot of people, and they just appear as oh, well. Rami Malik. Rami Malik. He wasn't the aide. 
No, he I wasn't know. the aide. I You're know. wrong. I got confused. He's the, he's the one who says "fuck you" to um Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> which is an awesome scene, by the way. But yeah, like uh, again, I I know we like touched on this with Bobby, but like both of these films, amazing, like star-studded casts. Um, I think two out of the three scenes Roy Malik is in, he doesn't have lines. <laughs> He just is there, and then he talks at the end of the movie. He used up all his all his voices on um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's the one. Yeah, that's hate, the film. I hate that movie so much. Oh, I maybe I just like Queen too much. Did you not? Did it not piss you off how it was edited? I honestly don't remember. It's oh, <laughs> too long ago. What? Watch the. Go onto YouTube and search up Bohemian Rhapsody editing. You will shit. Out of anger. Speaking of editing, I really, really, really love the sound editing um, in this movie. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, they actually um, mixed it well this time. Like, Nolan mixed it well this time. Uh, I, I don't know. Have you seen Tenet? No, I haven't. I've I've um, actually taken a bit of a Nolan break um, after um, Interstellar, so I haven't seen, um, was it Dunkirk or Tenet? Um, so this is my first film since then. Um, was a while ago. Wait, was Dark Knight Rises not? No, it would have been Dark Knight Rises, then Interstellar, then yeah. Dunkirk, then Tenet. Yeah. So yeah, it's my first Christopher Nolan film in a while, and I I, I have heard the criticisms of, um, like the mixing issues in that. I think there are a little bit. Um, there was a little bit of that in Dunkirk as well. Dunkirk was memory. fine. If I if um, I remember, Dunkirk's fine, but also there's barely any. No, I like there's everything that Tom Hardy says in that movie is unintelligible. Um but I think the sound editing in this film in Oppenheimer is really excellent. There's a really good use of silence and a really good use of like dramatic buildup um in the score and um the way that they use that to interact with like the main event of this film, which is the the Trinity test um, mm. in Los Alamos, um, which is the the testing of the atomic bomb. Well, um, do we want to just quickly run? Yeah, down let's do a little. Let's do a little recap. <laughs> let's do a little history lesson. So, uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer is the guy who led the Manhattan Project, which. Um, as anyone who is familiar with recent history or modern history would know, is what led to the creation of the first set of atomic bombs or atomic weapons. Um, it, they did a test called the Trinity Test um, in the middle of New Mexico. It worked, and then Truman decided to drop two of them on two atomic weapons: the little little boy and the fat man on Hiroshima. And shit, how did I forget the second one? Got Please, this. Help. Please help. You got this. No. Oh, Hiroshima and N- Nagas- Nagasaki? Yeah. Okay. Oh, for some reason, I've, I've, oh, I was thinking of Arasaka from from Cyberpunk, um, <laughs> which is not a country, a city either. It's just a corporation. Uh, so those two, those two cities, uh, and that's basically, that's the movie. It's just how he was as a young man through to the consequences and him trying to live with himself after the dropping of these bombs and realizing what he's brought into the world. 
I I wanna I wanna I don't wanna disagree with you, but I'm gonna just like. How do you disagree? That's what it's about. I'm, I'm just gonna make it a, a, an addition, an additional point here, which is, um, the movie is edited in a really interesting way. Oh, it's, um, so, it's not. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. The, so yeah. The, the movie is edited in a in a non-linear way, where we're getting three stories at once. Effectively, we have yes. Um, uh, Louis Strauss, who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character, his um, grumpy guy, Juan. The, the, the grumpy guy. He, yeah. um, it's his sort of interrogation before um, Congress. Um, yeah, it's his hearing before Congress because okay. he's trying to become a um, uh, member of Congress. Is that what um, he was trying to do? Yeah. I was confused. Specifically, when he, I knew it was political. I was just confused what he was specifically trying to do. Um, we have the um security hearing the security hearing um with Oppenheimer and then we have um the retelling of uh Oppenheimer's life from him as a student all the way through to um as far as the um start of the cold war where um have scenes where um, they're talking about uh, nuclear tests in Russia. Um, yeah. So it th- again, this movie spans a really, really long time. It's a biopic of a real guy who miraculously lived a really, really long time. Um, given the fact that he was ex- would have been exposed to a shit ton of radiation. I think really- it's also important to note. Sorry, that it is based off a book. It is based off the book American Prometheus specifically as well. It's not just like yeah. they they cobbled this together. They based it off the book that was written beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Um and like it does leave out or touch on very lightly about certain things in his life. Um I found out from local uh tuber- tuberculosis expert Hank Green. Not Hank oh, Green, yeah. John Green. Yeah. Um he had- Robert Oppenheimer yeah. had tuberculosis. Hence why um, he wanted to go to um, New Mexico. Because it's apparently really nice, yeah. Um, but also, I just touched on briefly in the film that um, he's Jewish and um, he's, like, one of the ways that's characterized in the film is he's a, his driving motivated to work on the bomb is specifically to fight the Nazis. Mm. Um, and once that stops he starts to question that as well um and again that's it, it's touched on but i feel like it's very, very brief all things considered um i think there's an inbuilt with the, the things that were dodged and what things topics that were not touched on <clears> and certain things because i know there's a lot of less than desirable stuff that was not put in i don't remember enough exactly to mention it here but i just do remember hearing about certain details that were not touched on i mean there always is when you when you have a when yeah. you have a biopic what i was going to say though is that there's the and i i'm calling this a cop-out i'm not calling this a good reason there's the cop-out that the movie is meant to be told from his perspective and it's like stuff that he's decided to focus on if you get what i'm saying so like cause yeah the, so the, the big part of this film is that I would not say it's 50-50. I'd say maybe 70-30. 30% of the film's in black and white and 70% of the film's in color. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, it's... My understanding is that it's the the scenes that primarily focus on um, Strauss are, are black, black and, and white. white. Yeah, so what I thought it was when I watched it was that it was anything from Strauss's perspective is black and white. Anything that has to, like, 
specifically pertain to what he's thinking is black and white and anything that's got to do with basically everything else, which is basically everything else is Oppenheimer is color. What I've heard is maybe it's a different, it's slightly different. It's that everything that's in color is still Oppenheimer's perspective, but everything that's in black and white is a matter of public record. So it's in quotation mark factual. I don't think so. I disagree. Uh, I know that's what Christopher Nolan said, but I disagree with Christopher Nolan. I think, I think it is. Well, basically, yeah, because I don't, there's certain parts where I don't think that would have been specifically public record. Like there's the, there's the black and white scene where he just goes off and basically says, yeah, I screwed over Oppenheimer. Like what record is that in? Where's who said who told that? Whose perspective? Whose perspective is that from? That wasn't in court. They weren't. They weren't. They didn't have a stenographer there taking notes. That was from Alden Ehrenreich's character's perspective, or the third guy who's basically has no lines in those sections anyway. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it's fair to say that everything in black and white was was public record. I think it's fair to say it was. Strauss's perspective. I yeah, I definitely read it as more of yeah Strauss's perspective on on the events unfolding. Because mm. yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my little my little rant. I think Nolan's a silly goose, and I think Nolan's a silly goose on a lot of things. So I think going back on his his uh, filmography, I mean, how do you feel about a lot of the movies he's made? I look. I haven't watched a few quite. I haven't watched all of them in a while. Um. And like, again, I mentioned I haven't watched his more recent stuff either. Mm. Um, but like, I remember enjoying watching um, the Dark Knight trilogy. I enjoyed watching Inception when I was what thirteen or however old when I was I sh- when I showed it to you. When you showed it to me and your mom, um, and we had to explain it to your mom. We had to explain it to my mom. Um, thanks, mom. I know you're listening. Uh, Hi, Max's mom. <laughs> Love um, you. Um, and then I, yeah, I remember enjoying uh, Interstellar as well. And I know, like, people have their issues with these films, and um, like people. I am people. I am people. By the way, it's me. I'm the one who has issues with these films. Um, but uh, yeah, again, like uh, from a non like explicitly critical perspective, I enjoyed these films and um i definitely enjoyed have enjoyed previously his more um fantastical sci-fi skewed um films that said um i think oppenheimer is definitely like the best film of his that i've seen Hmm. i actually would honestly agree that oppenheimer is probably my favorite that he's made and i've seen most of his movies I think Nolan, I think Nolan is a very clever filmmaker, but I think he knows it sometimes too much, and I think he lets it go to his head. Yeah, I. This film suffers a bit from that. I I think there's a little bit yes. of smugness throughout the film, not just in, in not just in the like characters smug like every character in this movie is smug but you can um, kind of feel nolan turning to you and going like good job me and then giving you like a big wink um, like, look, do you check check this shit out 
Wink. Uh, I mean, uh, I think, and like, I again, I love this scene. I thought it was excellent, but um, the you have um, Killian Murphy um and Florence Pugh um having sex and oh. Florence Pugh. <laughs> I know that I knew that was gonna be your reaction, but um, is this Florence the one Pugh, where she tries to make him read Sanskrit? She, she so she gets off she gets off him um mid writing mid yeah <laughs> mid sex. And goes to the bookshelf and grabs um, a copy of the Vedic text and gets him to read the line that he's become famous for, uh, famous for, I am become deaf. And I think, like, it was both such a, like, oh, my God, it's the line. Well, no, so can I can I tell you what was going through my mind when I, when I heard this part? When go, this part go, happened? go, 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 go. I, I thought of the Simpsons, say the line, Bard. <laughs> And then he says the line, everyone's like, yay! Did you not get that? <laughs> I mean, like, but like, that's sort of what we're all here for, right? It's like, I was waiting for, like, the whole movie. But don't, like, seed it. You can put, you, we know it exists. Put yeah, it where but, it should be. Don't like, seed it early. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as much, yeah, as much as that was, like, the, as you described before, it's like, you feel like you're sitting next to, like, just see what I did there. Check it out. This guy, it, he has sex and says lions. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I really felt like it's like the, and not to like be a, like a terrible punster, but like it is one of the emotional climaxes of the film. Um, <laughs> nice. yeah, that, that was, a, it was a, yeah, that good was, the, that was the jerk. Gotcha. Good. Um, but it's like definitely like it's 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 the like height of his relationship um, with Florence Pugh's character, who I name of Jean, and you get this like it is a really powerful line, and it's that's why um he's remembered for it, and not the original um text that's from. I don't know. I felt like that scene was really powerful and um captivating, even if it was a bit of a. Self congratulations. It was a Marvel moment. I mean, yeah, but which the movie has a bunch of. (laughs) I like the part where they name drop Kennedy. That was my favorite part. When yeah, right at the end, it felt like when you saw the shield in Iron Man two, or when Thor's hammer was left at the end of Iron Man two. Or when we saw Thanos at the end of the Avengers. I definitely uh, feel like it was it was most like at the end of Iron Man One when Robert Downey Jr. says, "I am Iron Man." Um, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 as much as this movie does have those moments and it has those moments that you would describe as cliche, and you have those moments that you would describe as no one like uh, being unaware of his own hubris. Um, this is a really impressive film it has a lot of really excellent performances um killian murphy specifically does a really great job um yeah i don't want people to think that just because we're dunking on it we don't like it i think i really i did really like it it's just fun to make fun of yeah it, it it's it's really interesting especially when you contrast it with um barbie like we're doing here and and seeing reactions to people online who are like uh, I I I have no desire to watch Barbie, but I'll go see Oppenheimer. Um, or the other way around. Or the other way around, because it's like, uh, like, uh, and this is probably going to make me seem even worse than all of that. But like, as 
as I'm so someone, excited for this take. <laughs> as as someone who enjoys going to films, like it's important to me to like have sort of that broad um, experience with stuff that I may or may not enjoy, and the fact mm. that I can go to both of those films and um, really enjoy both of those films for completely different reasons is a really good thing, and the fact that like people have to make it known that they're not going to be associated with one film or the other because of um, some personal grudge against um, like bro-ish films or yeah. hyper-feminist films or um, they don't Just like Barbie or... I, yeah, but yeah, like this, it's a really, it's a really excellent film. It is very long. It's so um, long. Both are actually two hours is a long film. Two hours is a long. Three hours is long. This it was long, and and definitely watching them back to back. I'm coming out of it. I was so grumpy. Yeah, you coming were. out of it. I you needed a snack. I, um, I needed a snack so bad. The but like it, it's a long, it's a long movie, and um. Part of me sort of wishes they had an intermission in the middle. Um, we did. It was like five minutes. Uh, it was when we all shifted over three to four seats because we were in the same cinema for the next one. No, no, no. I mean, in the middle of off time. <laughs> oh, right. No, screw you. One, all the, look, I mean, films in general need to have intermissions nowadays. You know, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has an intermission. That movie yeah. is only two hours. Yeah. <sighs> um... <laughs> No, I, 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 I'm all for the, like, if you're going to make your movie longer than two hours, you have to have an intermission. But what um, Indian movies actually have intermissions. Yeah, lots of Bollywood films have intermissions, yeah. which is good. They got they got it down. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, plus, it means people go and buy more stuff. Like, I don't go know why the stuff. cinemas... It's, we live in a capitalist society. Let us buy shit. <laughs> I want... I, so... I don't know if you saw this. So we we saw this at the Nova, um, Cinema Nova. So anyone in Melbourne who's listening to this, which shout out everyone, shout out to Cinema Nova. It's oh, good we have someone in the US, don't we? I think I saw one one listener in the US, but um, shout out to that guy. Shout out to the guy who's listening. To, listen, shout out to the person who's listening in the US. Yeah, that should um, be my go-to. Um, but Nova was doing themed Barbenheimer themed chop tops. Um, I, did not was a, see this, I I was thinking about getting it, and then I was like, "No, nah, I'm gonna, gonna need to go to the bathroom like half an hour into Oppenheimer, and then from from like, a truck stop, gonna, yeah, and it's just gonna go, <laughs> it's just what? gonna go downhill from there. Does, does, I'm not good with dairy, dude. Oh, true, right? I forgot. I was I was just wondering, does ice cream make you piss? Like, what is weird? There's a problem there. <laughs> weird, man. Uh, I think, look, let's quickly just discuss cinematography. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. That's the one thing that I don't think I can fault Nolan on any of his films for is that he shoots shit really well. He shoots on film, so it looks really crisp. Even if you're not seeing it in the desired format, it still comes across really good. I don't know what Nova shows their stuff on, so I don't know. Um, I, it won't be on what this was. This was, I know, was shot on... Um, IMAX and wide format. Um, so, I mean, we didn't see it in an IMAX, so we're not um, going to get the, the specific format. But I don't even know, do they show it in digital or do they show it in um, film? At the- uh, I'm honestly not sure. It's probably a digital, honestly, uh, just for ease. I'd assume digital until told otherwise, just for yeah. that. I mean, it's also the- it's also a huge film. Like, I, I don't know if you've yeah. seen online. It's like the, kilometers the, long. The, the, yeah, the images of the IMAX reels. They're, yeah, they're huge, absolutely huge. 
Um, Apparently, there's only like two people who know how to do it properly as well, or something. Yeah, or it's something like that. It's crazy. Well, there's only like a handful of IMAX cin- like actual IMAX cinemas that are capable mm. of showing it as well. Um, I know. The Mel- can the Melbourne? I know one Melbourne. It? The Melbourne one can. Mm. Um, and it's almost tempting to go and watch it again in IMAX just to see what it's like. Um, I don't have that temptation. <laughs> You're so free to go do that, but I don't want to watch this movie for a good couple months at least because I will be so bored if I see it again. Uh, I don't know. I love good biopics. So. I love um, a good biopic, but not multiple times in the same month. Agree to disagree. Big screen, uh, big screen, big bomb sound go brr. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing to say is that the bomb was way overhyped. I'm going to say this. Yeah. It's yeah, not it as It's not as an event as they made, as Nolan himself made it out to seem. And I think I, someone else said this and I'm going to parrot it and I don't know who said it, so I can't give credit. I think it's the, a, a podcast called The Weekly Planet I heard this from. They're another Melbourne-based uh, pop culture thing so shout out to them even though they have more followers than us so no shout out name drop whatever anyway point is they said i think it was them who said that they reckon that nolan lied deliberately just to get bums in seats and if that's the case good on him uh i i'm so i'm glad he did i think it was fine that it was disappointing because it kind of in a scary way normalized the bomb itself and made me kind of less able to put it into a realm of fiction. I think if he made it too extravagant, I would have been like film movie thing. Mm. I'm watching movie magic right now, but it said it was a very realistic explosion. Yeah. It, it felt very grounded. It, and yeah. this is true of a lot of, of, of the film as a whole. It doesn't feel at any point like you're going like, uh, like, uh, as much as there's, yeah, as we were saying before, there's these moments of like eye winking to the audience. There's um, most of the film you're not really um, thinking about it as a film. You're, you, it is very immersive and very grounded in the way that um, you're not expecting anything totally crazy to happen. And like, I, I know this is a biopic, and that's that's sort of how these things work. Yeah, you definitely get like a sense of. Um, especially with the bomb and the development of the bomb, it, it, it like the sort of rationale that he goes through and the characterization of how he, um, his relationship to the bomb. And I'm starting to sound like, uh, the, on the title, Dr. Strange love, but, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> how I learned to love the bomb. Yeah. But, uh, it's very much like, you see him like and his relationship with with it and like it's de- like the the destruction that it causes and the repercussions of it and um the fallout that they um had limited understanding of how that was going to work and um uh all that sort of stuff and how that like laid on him like as much as like this is a version of his life that they're retelling for the sake of drama and for mm. the sake of cinema, but um, it, it does feel like you sort of go on this journey with him about how he how his relationship um, to the bomb, and then I guess that's also reflected in his relationships with um, other people, especially like the women in his life and um, Jane, um, 
Lawrence Pugh's character. Lawrence Pugh's character, thank you. Um, and then Emily Blunt's character as well. Who's um, actually his wife as well. Emily Blunt yeah, um, is who the actual is Kitty wife. Kitty Oppenheimer. Who gets cheated on, like, I think it's implied about seven times throughout the yeah, film. Yeah, it's a few. I think what's, what's kind of... I'm trying to think about it. It's kind of cool that they... This calls the wrong word. It's good that they made Oppenheimer a person, not a figure. He is, he has serious faults. The movie goes to show he's a womanizer. He, he will just cheat. He will steal your girl. He is Mr. Steal Your Girl. He like, Emily Blunt is married to someone else. And he's like, why don't you just, why don't you come join me instead? Let's, let's yeah. bang. And then he cheats on Emily Blunt after she leaves her husband. Yeah. Uh, what else? I think the other thing that's kind of cool is that though the movie is very much about him, it doesn't position him as the sole creator of the bomb. It manages to show that it was a collaborative effort. Yeah. And I I think that's very important because I certainly know that beforehand I definitely went Manhattan Project. Oh yeah. Oppenheimer did it. Yeah. He did it. Because I don't know anyone else who was really part. Because he ran it, and he obviously his leadership is what led to it. And he's a very clever person. He's a brilliant. He's got a brilliant mind, and he did a lot. Of, he had a lot to do with it. But his strength was the ability to coordinate everyone. He did not do all the science. He made mistakes. He went down the wrong path. But it was due to his collaboration with other people that meant that they were successful yeah i think it, it definitely doesn't and like I, again this is the the genre in which to do it but um it's definitely like you definitely felt like he was a person and you definitely felt like um he had this relationship with the work he was doing and um the people he was with and then that how that's reflected in the conversations that he has about um his relationship with like communism for example Mm. Um, I did just want to say I read something um, mm. which was a little bit upsetting, which was that um, there were a massive, massive amount of VFX artists who worked on this film. So, like as oh, much yes. as much as Nolan like was going on and on about how there's only like all the practical effects and they made a really big bomb out of TNT and all that stuff, um, there was a whole bunch of VFX workers who um, worked on this film. It's like 200 um, something. The, the company was 200 something employees and only about 20 of them got mentioned. In got the credited. Yeah. Um, which. It's 10%. Like, 10, was 10%? I, I, I'm, I'm saying if that's the, if that's the numbers, that's 10% of the yeah, people. Yeah, it was, it was, it was somewhere artists. between like 10 and 20% of um, the artists were credited and the rest were just not credited um, as to working on the film, which yeah. is. Um, Shit. Really, like, upsetting, especially considering um, the fact that half of the film industry is already on strike. Um, yeah. And if not if not for the fact that um, the VFX and animation industry is notoriously bad at unionizing. Um, well, I mean, we've already had all the, sh- all the shit with, like, the Marvel VFX artists and mm. those people. And now this is just, it's just, there's, this is another thing. Like, it's, like, obviously, writers have been getting a raw deal. Actors have been getting a raw deal. But I think the ones that we've been hearing the most about is VFX artists recently, yeah. that is. Because, obviously, 
with the advent of modern cinema, VFX has become more and more prevalent because it's gotten better. Yeah, especially since Nolan did turn like there's no CGI, which I guess CGI is a specific type of VFX. I'm right. I'm uh, not. You I mean, know more than yes, I do. Uh, yes, I know. It, it, it's like the the fact of the matter is is like there's obviously a lot of post production work on this movie. Mm. Um, there's a lot of 2D VFX. There's a lot of 3D VFX um, that either you will or won't notice. There's like from the start of the movie, you have all these like he's like seeing all these like lines in his vision and stuff and it's that's like, all going to be stuff you get the sense it's like the the the, the essence the, the building blocks of the universe and stuff yeah. like that yeah and, like all of that you can't shoot is going to be implemented by vfx artists yeah um and it's like when um, they made the black hole in in interstellar yeah, it's the same, I mean, it's the same yeah, I think there's a black hole in this one too, where they do they do some stuff. Right they the do beginning. do that. No, you're so correct. So it's even like the black hole in this movie. <laughs> um, so like even stuff like that, like there, there's going to be some of those, some of the people who worked on um, those sort of things credited, and then there's going to be a whole bunch of people who worked on things that like even just things that you won't notice. There'll be people who were touching up how the explosion looked, and there'll be people mm. who are touching up. Um, elements of the film so that it looked more like whatever Nolan wanted it to look like or whatever, whoever the direct, like the assistant director or whoever was managing that segment wanted it to look like. Yeah. It's just, it's really frustrating to see that. Well, especially since you're an animator by, by like, by, by train, by training, you're an animator. By training, you are an animator. So you're very invest. I'd say yeah, you're personally it, it, invest in like, it, it, the, the collaboration and the making yeah, sure and, and you it are is frustrating. It is frustrating to see like these people all have put in hours and hours and hours of work into this film that like is really good and just not being credited for it. Um, like, I don't know hmm. whose fault that is specifically, um, but it's uh, upsetting. Just blame Nolan. Screw him. Screw him. Cancel him. Cancel Nolan. We'll we'll end on we'll end this review on that dour dour note an an important but dour yeah. note. Um, I'm gonna rate what it. What do you want to rate it? Four out of five American physicists with European sounding names. Um, I'm giving it four point five lies about Killian Murphy's penis being shown. Yeah, we never did get to see his penis. That it was said that there was full frontal. All there was was foreign. Florence Florence boobs pews pew. I wanted Killian Cock. That's what I was there for. Is that the point five? Uh, is that is that the missing point five? The point five was the cock. <laughs> yeah, the point yeah. missing point five is that his cock wasn't in it. The rest of him was, and man, is he a sexy boy? But the cock wasn't there, and I was hoping to see it. I mean, Tom Hardy went nuts out in Bronson. Why can't Killian Murphy do it? Nolan's just a coward. So, how would you like? Obviously, these are two very different films, um, and they've sort of become this yeah. internet sensation. Um, how would you say they mm-hmm. like play off each other? And like, do you think the way that you saw, um, well, we saw at Oppenheimer and then Barbie um, in cinema? Did that? <laughs> did that? Yeah, um, do you think yeah. like watching? Um, them back to back, like if like 
affected your experience um, of watching the film, or do you think it like? Um, how do you recommend? How do you think they like interplayed with each other? I was more excited. But the fact that I was seeing both in one day mm. made me more interested to see both. Neither film is tackling a topic that would make me excited to actually go see it. I don't give a shit about Barbie, and I don't actually give a shit about Oppenheimer either. But the fact that they were this thing, this event, made me more... And the fact that I was seeing... Because if I was only seeing one on one day and one on another day, I'd be less, like, pumped. But the fact that I was doing... Yeah. I was doing Barbenheimer, the, the the big meme, that made me way more interested. And I think it probably did put me in a better mood to watch both movies. It put me... I was more ready to say, yes, Barbenheimer is awesome, rather than saying, yeah, Barbie's good, or yeah, Oppenheimer's fine, type of thing. Definitely, they both are good movies, and I think I would have enjoyed yeah. them otherwise. But I think the pairing made them more more fun. It was more fun to watch both, especially since one of the movies yeah. is actually not technically fun. It's, it's pretty depressing. Sad. Bobby, Bobby is pretty depressing. But it was... No. Bobby is fun, whether or not... Oh, sorry, would you say Bobby's depressing? Yeah, you, yeah sorry. Shit, it's I'll, definitely a joke. I'll, just, I'll cut you out in the edit. Yeah. Damn, Bobby's so sad. Yeah, uh, make, Bobby say it again. Really say it again. Um, Kent, Kent yeah, didn't real get sad. Any. I cried. No. Babusi. Babusi. No Babusi. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but the point is, I think both work together because they both tackle, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, the idea of just what a f- what puts reality in perspective mm. for you so i mean obviously body more directed at the female experience and they very outwardly just say the thesis of the film thesis yeah that'll work the thesis of the film in the part where the way to get the barbies out of their days is to just say the contradictory elements of the patriarchy and in that it's very much like yeah i mean look crap man sucks to have to deal with all of that very much like how are you supposed to live in that type of reality whereas with Oppenheimer it's the more universal idea of yeah we created bombs that when we tested them could have blown up the whole world and if and in all honesty I reckon we just did it in a slower version of what we calculated we're blowing up the world anyway it's just happening at a slower more delayed rate which is how the movie ends, yeah. by the way. They're like, yeah, we're just going to... I think we buggered up. Killian Murphy turns to the camera, looks us dead in the eye and says... I didn't know... I didn't know, oopsie. <laughs> oopsie doopsie, can you forgive me, Uwu? Double, like, taps his fingers together, his two ring fingers together, thumbs up. Uwu, can you forgive? And then Einstein slaps him across the face. No, um, that is... Yeah, Einstein's so bad. That's uh, not how the movie ends. Go watch it for yourself if you haven't. Also, if you haven't, um, why are you listening? Go go watch the movie. Go watch both yeah, of these we movies. Just the go, I mean, maybe you're one of those people who like spoilers. Go, go watch both case, of these movies because they're very good movies. And Yeah, we, we I think we both like them. Yeah. Um, joke. Joke. Jokes about how we actually rate them aside, they're very yeah. good. Uh, they're very good movies. Very good double feature. I think they do actually play off each other very well. And it's fun. Uh, fun? 
Good. It's good. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, I've got a little uh, new segment. <gasps> yeah, I know. Is it B- Buster the, the the Buster Post it's, Office? B- B- the the Post Office. The band it's mail. A, it's fan the fan, mail. It's the fan mail section. We'll come up with a better fan name. Busting. It's it's fan busting. We're fan busting right now. I have um an email here. I, I'm I'm not going to say who it's from. Um, can can we say who the relation is? Though? No, it's anonymous. Um, it's no one. It's, it's no anonymous. one that we know. It's no it's one we know. No one that we know, and we prompted to send them, get them to send an email. So we have like. Wait, you prompted them? No, well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Damn it! I thought they sent it on their own well, accord at the very they least. They said that they were going to, and then I was like, "Yeah, I haven't received it yet." Uh, <laughs> Um, it's kind of like, you know, when, um, like buskers have, like, they put a little, they put a couple of coins in their, like, case to encourage, yeah, yeah exactly what this is mean. what it is. Um, so the point, the point we're making is, um, send, send, send your emails. mail to blockbustedpotty at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-D-I-E, uh, blockbustedpotty at gmail.com. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, it's in the show notes. And, um... To send us your thoughts, send us questions. We'll answer anything as long as tell us what's stupid. It's not how much money I got back from the tax office. You can ask me; I'll tell you. All right. Not how much money he got. How much money <laughs> I got? I don't know how much money. All he right. Got. I, I, I'm gonna read our email. Uh, it's the the subject is hey sexy. <gasps> Which wait? Who's I, that to you? I don't me? know. Um. I've, okay. Here we go. Hello there, darling. I loved your most recent episode of your podcast. Very sadly, my phone has stopped working and I can't listen to your beautiful podcast anymore. If you pay me $100 USD, I can keep listening and fix my phone. Thanks, beautiful girl. Nigerian Prince. It's like 200 bucks. It's like 150 bucks. It's, well, USD is like almost $2 per dollar. Is it? It's too much. I'm looking it up right now. Live on air, I'm going to look up live, how much live it is. Live on recorded air. How much is AUD compared to USD? It's gone the wrong way around. Switch that. <laughs> Hold on. It's done the direction I don't want. Um, but I think you might be right, honestly. Uh, doing some hard research right now. God, this is the most research I've done for this podcast. All right. Oh, okay. No, you were right. It's about 1.47 Australian dollars per unit. Yeah, so it's like 147. So like 150 bucks. 147 bucks. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's still that's too 150. much. I'll give too you a teaser. I'll give you a teaser. That. That's less than what I got from the tax office. <gasps> we're zeroing in, boys. Now, would you say, like, if I times that number by 10, would I be still in the ballpark? Uh, I'm not going to comment on that one. It's a yes. That's a yes. All right. I think that's all That's all for this week's episode of Blockbuster. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll put out... <laughs> we don't have an X account. Uh, I really think we started this podcast at the wrong time. Twitter yeah, died. Yeah, Twitter died no right when we decided, yeah, let's make a podcast. I mean, it was dying, but now it's dead. Yeah. Yeah, we, we really missed they, the... We uh, know it's dead because it's now got a big X instead of the where the bird was. Have you seen that picture where it's like the X is the eyes of the bird? Because it's yeah, dead. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. 
anyway, uh, we'll put our letterboxed profiles. Um, and we'll come up with <laughs> a, a better profiles. outro for the next episode, I think. No, no, I think the way that we don't do this properly is, is the charm. Yeah, you, you think so? You think that, like, I think eventually we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah. Because, like, I, think writing I reckon it, the intro got down pat, but the outro was sort of just, like, fumbling our way through. Well, I wrote, I write the outro each, the intro. Yeah. Fuck. I write so the I intro reckon, like, we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. But I think they'll, the listeners won't think we're as approachable if we write both the intro and the outro. I reckon? I, uh, write in and let us write know. Write in and let us know. That's walkbustedpotty at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. I'm not going to spell it again. P-O-D-D-I-E.